but anyway, we, we worked uh, f- about five kilometres away from where we lived and I bought a bike because Daly would take the kids for the family run and to the, sorry, not the family run, the school run. Yeah. So she, she needed the car. We were going to buy two cars for a, for a year's uh, trip. Yeah. So I got the bike and cycled five kilometres each way. And then I thought, ah, maybe just do a bit of swimming. We we swam down at the leisure complex in the Burndale, but like in a you know fifteen meter yeah. pool. We never, I never swam. My sister's a good swimmer, and, and she's one of the reasons why I joined the tri club. But the, the swimming for me was never really a thing. And I swam. Whenever I was in Australia, I basically worked my way up from 20, 30, 40 lengths to a mile. I got the sixty-four lengths, and I did You're that. Just teaching yourself times. then how to swim properly, or. I thought I was swimming properly, yeah. but looking back on it now, yeah. it wasn't. You know, the sort of times that I was putting in was, wasn't great. Like. That, my friend, was Finbar McGrady. And this is the Inspirational Runners Podcast. At the age of 38, Finbar buys a bike to get to work, starts a little swimming and the odd run. Two years later, in 2014, he enters Try a Try in Kamala Lake and rapidly progresses through the sport of triathlon by not only qualifying for the ETU Triathlon European Championships in 2016, but he manages to win silver in the sprint with a phenomenal 5K time of 16 minutes and 45 seconds. Two days later, he comes fourth in the Olympic distance with a 10K time of 34 minutes and 35 seconds. Finbar truly is an amazing athlete, only running around 30 kilometers a week, which equates to about 18 miles. Along with his run, bike, and conditioning training to produce results that I could only dream of. Before we start, I'd just like to give our sponsors Born to Run a shout out. Their next race of the Winter Series is in Gosford Park on the 19th of January. This is race six of eight. It's a tremendous course and arguably one of the fastest of the series, so hope to see you there. I give you Finbar McGrady. Do you play in a band then? Uh-huh, yeah. What, what's that called? Uh, Raised on Rock. How long have you been playing that for? Uh, I've been playing with them about three years now. And but before that I've always done um, like weddings and pubs and stuff like that there and I, and, I, and I quit. I mean that's one of the reasons why I had such a long... It'll maybe come up on the, on the interview but um, I had basically got into music then in my late teens and that took away from the, from the training really. So what was your athletic background then, when you were younger, when you were in school then? So I started out uh, usual sporty from like primary school days playing football. Um, Was that soccer or Gaelic? No, Gaelic. Gaelic. I I grew up in Bransford, so Mm -hmm. I played for Bransford from like under eights, under tens all the way through. Um, Kept that going through school and then basically uh, school developed into like, a good basketball team as well. I really loved basketball, mm. all sorts of... That was unusual back then as well, wasn't it? Yeah, well, not in St. Malachy's where I, where I went to school. Like My, my dad played and all back in the day, and he started, whenever I... There was no team for ages, and then my dad, because he had played and I was coming through the school, he, he taught there. So he, he wanted to get the team going again, so he started that with a colleague. Brilliant. And we got the basketball team going again, and that was brilliant. Mm. I mean, the girls always had a team. One of the teachers used to take the girls... Uh, and then we it's quite an active sport though, isn't it? Basketball. People don't realise, like, it's very yeah. quick. It is fast, fine, mm. hand-eye coordination, all that there. Mm. And I think there's a lot of overlap between Gaelic and basketball. You know, it's that hand-eye, moving, twisting, turning, Strong jumping, body. being able to see what's happening, pass the ball. So I loved all that. So that's where, yeah. Yeah. That's why I asked what, about soccer or Gaelic. So what I've found is, it pains me as well, when people come out of Gaelic yeah. football, like in their late 30s, and they go for a race with me, and they leave me behind. <laughs> and you're like, wow, because it builds such a great base, doesn't it, at a young age? Oh, particularly for me, I was a midfielder. Right. So I, I was up and down the pitch all day. Um, that's what, that was my strength, was really the endurance and the running. And we did, then at school, we did, we, um, did a lot of cross-country running. Um, big influence for me was a guy called Rory Freel, who was only a very young teacher at the time, came into us in St Malachy's, and he's now still, he's retired now from teaching, but he's still taking a, a group of um, guys in St Coleman down in Uri, he's still coaching, and he brought us through the whole cross-country thing, and our school, like, I was looking through, just for this today, I was looking through some of the scrapbooks and whatnot, and I found in 89, our school got the 
won the Ulster Championships and I was wow. on the team for that in cross country and we were the first county down school to win and then we got to the All-Irelands and came second. That's so silver All-Ireland from that was under 15. It's quite a big scene then, isn't it? The cross country. The cross country thing. So, and then we did track running as well mm. and under 16s I won the 1000 metre steeplechase in the Antrim Forum. And what school was that in? It's in Malachy's, Castlewell. Wow. And I was running that with was that. magic we were actually even, even doing the steeplechase. Well, it was with Rory Freely and he brought us uh, up to okay. the Annabelle Striders running club as well. Big and doing that with that. Yeah. And funny, I met him a few years ago and he told me that uh, I still hold the record for the fastest time in the 1000 metre steeplechase at that stage. Which and is? I don't know what it is, I can't remember. <laughs> but the reason that he told me was he was laughing because I got the fastest time that year and then they cancelled that. This oh, right. so it's never been run since. <laughs> so that, that that like you know thirty year old record is still just gonna stand. So that was funny. But then I became run on then after that. I I, I got into I kept playing Gaelic and I was, got onto the down minor panel. And I was in one year playing down minors, and basically like at that stage my confidence wasn't great. I wasn't you know really up there with the lads. What age you know? were you then? I was being a team. So I I kind of lost a bit of interest in, in Gaelic after that mm. and, and sport in general. And then, and then as you see around you from all these guitars, like the music, the music took over for me. Yeah, what music were you into back then? Well, I was into basically rock stuff, like Iron Maiden, Guns mm -hmm. N' Roses, um, Joe Satriani, all these guitar players, things, loved that. But I was playing music with my dad and my sister. So we were doing like country pubs and I was standing there with long hair, playing, you know, three chord tricks, country stuff, and inside my head was thinking, this is not my scene, you know, so, but then, so we did, we developed on, my sister and me got a band together, and we did, it was getting more poppy stuff, and pop, oh, pop type music, yeah. and it's only in the last few years now that I've been playing out the music that they've always loved, all that rock, um, Guns N' Roses, all that. Just to release all that energy. Yeah, it's brilliant. So where do you play at then? We play about five or six times a year. Uh, we do the Empire. We sold the Empire out there in December. Jeez. It was about, there was like 500 people or something like that at the, at the gig. It's back some and memories yeah. of that. And, and the, we, did, we played, there's a new venue in Warren Point, the Skylight Room. Right. We played it for the first time there just before Christmas and we'll be back there again. It was a great crowd down in Warren Point, so it was nice to have it more local. Very good. Yeah, yeah. So you were saying that you drifted away around eighteen, yeah. so nineteen, like, and it was See, it just that sort of adolescent sort of. It, it was. It was the uh, going to university as well, and I, I kept playing football actually for Bransford that first and second year after I'd started university. Um, I was still Belfast, still close enough to come home, but you miss midweek training sessions, mm -hmm. and when you're not training regularly, you miss your slot in the team, and then it just gets too hard and. With playing on a Friday and Saturday night, the whole way through university yeah. I played in the band and that doesn't lead you to get up too early on the Saturday, Sunday mornings. So you sort of drift and it, I just was trying to think about this, like was there a time when I just stopped, I can't remember it ever, just stopping yeah. dead, it sort of faded, you know, and I think once I lost the competition, mm. I just lost the interest. So it was basically from my early 20s right through to the late 30s, I had wow. no competitive sport at all. That's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. What age you now? 44. That's mad, like five years. Like. So, yeah, and, and there's, there's a whole story of why it started again. I, I think yeah, that was my next question. Yeah. Like, so how did it all start up again? What ignited that fire? Well, what ignited that fire? It, it, it was ignited sort of sideways, not, not directly related to going to, I took a sabbatical break to Australia. And that was for, like, I was like burning out at work. I was stressed. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was a family bereavement that was a big impact, you know. So all these sort of things just led me to think I need to change my life here. There yeah. needs to be something more to this. Is this it? Like, is this the book, or is this just a chapter? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I that 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 chapter that was written at that stage of changing direction yeah. has put me in a whole new, you know, trajectory ever since. It's phenomenal. Yeah. So went to Australia with a family, which. At the time, some some of my family members and I thought maybe it was a bit yeah brave or mad. Maybe some people might think because I had four young kids. Our baby was three at the time. We travelled halfway across the world with four kids. My wife wasn't. I was brave. Yeah, she 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 was like happy to go, but not madly enthusiastic about it at the time. How, How old was your oldest kid at that age? Uh, at that age, she would be nine. Yeah, yeah, so she's quite on to. Like, yeah, so she's nine. And then, but it, it was the time to do it in, in terms of 
you know, schooling school. because there was no big exams or anything like that. And it was a year only, and we always planned to come home after the year. So yeah. the, out there that year, I, I had a job. We arrived and uh, had five days of accommodation, and then we had to find a car and a house and everything with four kids. It was mental. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we, we worked uh, f- about five kilometres away from where we lived, and I bought a bike because daily would take the kids for the family run and to the sorry not the family on the school run yeah. so she, she needed the car we were going to buy two cars for a for a year's uh, trip yeah. so i got the bike and cycled five kilometers each way and then i thought ah maybe just do a bit of swimming so a couple of times a week i went to the pool because what never, was your swimming like then before had you done much swimming before then um no not really uh mommy always brought us swimming when i was younger and mm. we we swam down at the leisure complex in the burndale but like in a you know, fifteen meter yeah. pool. We never, I never swam. My sister's a good swimmer, and, and, and she's one of the reasons why I joined the tri club. But the, the swimming for me was never really a thing. Um, I swam, and whenever I was in Australia, I basically worked my way up from 20, 30, 40 lengths to a mile. I got the sixty four lengths, and I did You're that. Just teaching yourself then how to swim properly, or proper form. I thought I was swimming properly. Yeah. But looking back on it now, yeah. it wasn't. You know, the sort of times that I was putting in was wasn't great. Like, but. It's funny, like I, I sort of self-taught myself through mm. um, Google and YouTube and so many different type of techniques. Yeah. And I thought I had it down to T. I was even giving people tips. Yes. And I went and got a video analysis done. Yes. And I was snaking up and down. The, I, could, yeah. I was like, there's no yeah. way. And my hands was yeah. crossing right over. Yeah. And just snaking. And I was like, I can't believe that's me. I remember in, in Australia, there was a swim club there at the same time. And I'd be up one of the lanes and I was secretly thinking to myself, you know, oh, they're going to watch me swim in here and ask them to join in. <laughs> no chance I was snaking all over the place too. It was a disaster. Yeah. So I don't know why I thought I could swim, but I, I just did it for fitness and to keep... to keep. Yeah. And the, the other thing, when we arrived in Australia, it was, I remember quite vividly, one of the very first weeks we got there, it was warm and I had my shirt off and my... One of my daughters at the time pointed at my belly and said, look at your big fat belly, belly. <laughs> and in my head, I was still 20. You know, I didn't have a fat belly, you know, although I was 94 kilos at the time. Mm-hmm. So I ended up losing 18 or so kilos that year, so just near enough three stone. Yeah. And that was just something I thought, okay, I'm going to make an effort at this now, send them out here. And it was funny, going to Australia, like a lot of people say, go to Australia, oh, you have a party time. But, we, you know, going to work and having four kids, it was the end of the opposite of us. You know, we just didn't take any drink for a few months altogether, got fitter, just changed Sat up. Started enjoying altogether. that type of that phase, really, I suppose. Yeah, although at the time I went, I didn't realise the reasons why I was going. I just mm. knew I needed to recalibrate. I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know what my goal was. And I remember sitting there thinking, after being there for a month, I was sitting at work and I looked out and I thought, what, what have I done here? I've taken my family around the world. What, what's going on? What, what am I at? You know? And so it, it did take a hit with a bit of a... I, but I'm, I'm so glad I did it now. It, yeah. It's the thing that did sort of reboot the whole lifestyle, the whole mindset, you know? To change the direction of your sales. Like yeah, both professionally and you know, sporting wise and, and, and leisure activities and everything, you know. So what? Why? When you say professionally, and what were you doing before, and how's that changed? So I was a full time GP partner in Crossgar, and and yeah, that like I mean, it's, it's being a GP is a great job, but there's a lot of pressures and stresses. Mm-hmm. Like everybody has stresses and pressures, but when you're not, uh, when you're not enjoying it, or you're not, you're, you know, it's the sort of job you have to really put your all into. And I did. I've always put my all into it. And sometimes that all actually takes too much out of you mm-hmm. and you give up too much of yourself. And I just felt it was leaving me drained for the rest of my life. So I thought I just need to work out how to manage yeah. both living and working. Um, so I still, I still do a bit of G- GP work. I'm not a partner anymore. Um, but I've taken up an interest in dermatology. It was another thing from Australia. Yeah, skin cancer, big deal out there. Um, and so it's funny some of the races I've been to I've seen some of my colleagues or some of the athletes and I've pointed out things in the side of their head that you should maybe get that sort of checked <laughs> out and they've turned out to be little skin cancers you know us guys when we were out about yeah. uh, outside cycling running all that sunblock big deal you know mm. covering up because there's so little awareness about that though isn't there you know it's, it's the most common cancer uh, to people in this this country, and um, it mostly it doesn't affect you until you're you're older. The, the non melanoma type skin cancers, but 
it is so common. One in three of us are going to get a basal cell cancer, and I'm just waiting for the day. I've seen like um, cyclists that are in their like mid fifties yeah. and runners. People talk about your joints. I think yeah. the cancer actually is a bigger risk that people are not really aware. Yeah, and the people I know who have had it, it's been around their noses yeah. and their and their face. You know, it's due to cumulative sun mm. exposure. So it's those days really that you're you're not getting burnt necessarily, but you know those April May June days, mm. and you're out and you're out for a couple of hours, and you think you know I don't need sunblock, but but you really do because that adds up over the course of. A lifetime yeah. and years, you know. So these are the sort of skin cancers that take time to develop, but it's that low grade UV mm. uh, damage that sort of adds up. So that'll be one of my missions to try and help people realise, you know, you've got to protect yourself in the sun. Here. Yeah, because there's not much awareness there at all. Like, so yeah. how did you then bring that into? Did you do any triathlon when you were in Australia? No, in fact, at that stage competition wasn't even on the radar I hadn't even considered a race of any sort you know I say I'd done nothing from those 20 there was about 38 or 39 I went into the Lisburn 10k about 15 years ago and that was again another moment of my friend was doing it and he says come on do it with me and I said yeah no bother so I think I maybe went for a couple of runs you know a couple of weeks before it and I went around the Lisburn 10k in like 56 minutes or something not great for me uh, from what I, what I yeah. would have expected I just thought I could go out there and run you know sub 40 no bother <laughs> he ended up doing 36 minutes so I thought <laughs> I'm a long way off here you know it kind of made me realise it wasn't far off but I thought that there's no point so competition wasn't even in my mind yeah. in Australia and in fact triathlon <laughs> wasn't even in my mind I, I'd heard about it I knew it was swimming cycling running but I didn't really follow it and I've never really followed any sports I've never been into football or anything in terms of how teams are doing or what's happening it's more sport for me has always been something that I like to participate in not necessarily yeah. and the health watch. benefits that come from from that etc like so you're, it was keeping you focused then getting that belly off that you're well, that's, yeah that's about. what it was it was the belly thing yeah I think more than thinking about you know yeah. being competitive I mean, I thought I thought I was past it. You know, late thirties. <laughs> I thought, what's the chances of ever getting a medal or doing anything again? Never even entered my mind. That's brilliant, mate. Can you remember the first time then? Because you were cycling back to work, back and forth to work, yeah. 5K. Can you remember the first time you decided to go for a long cycle, like 30, 40 miles, or whatever? I didn't do that till I came back home and joined the tri club. Right. So that was way later. Like, I mean, cycling for me at that stage was a mode of transport. Yeah. yeah so. so what did anything happen in Australia then from a point of view like had you done any running or was it just purely oh, yes. that? So later on in the year then I, I started to do a bit of running again Bend. the, the uh, outdoor facilities they have a lot of shaded areas and they have like rafters and you grab hold of these and start doing some pull-ups and things like that and so all that sort of strength work started to come in then too but it wasn't until I came home and my sister said to me why what, what are you going to keep doing now that you're back home? And I kind of hadn't really thought about it. And she said, look, I've just joined the, the tri-club down in Newry here for get a bit of swim fitness in. So you've been swimming in Australia. Why don't you, you know, come along? And, and I thought, yeah, that'll be a good idea to keep the fitness going. I don't want to let it, let it all go now that I'm back home. So I went down there and met some of the, the guys and they welcomed me in really quick I was expecting you know you what, what's you know what's your credentials here you know who are you what do you do what's your what you know what's what, what what's your 1k swim time and there's none of that there was absolutely no uh you know no measure of of uh no judgment judgments around like that exactly they were just very welcoming and that was it was great and they, they um they had the Wednesday night swims at the time mm. and went down there and just joined in and it was brilliant and it's my class. sister Maria, yeah, she she's still with them as well. And so how, was that five years ago? That yeah, that was two thousand and thirteen. Yeah, it's wow. unreal. Yeah. So can you remember your first triathlon then? Yeah, the well, <clears throat> I did. Uh, oh, this this is funny too. I did the try a try, and it was just before the Crooked Lake triathlon. So the the the. First, what, what year was that? Just that would have been 2014 then. 14, so I started swimming with them when I came home in August. I went swimming with them maybe September, October time. And like, I had no intention of doing a triathlon or, or just, is this all just sort of snowball? I just was taken along with the enthusiasm of all the people in the club. It's like, yeah, of course you can get out, get in the bike. So I went out in the bike, uh, joined up with people. Um, 
it was very very slow at the time those first uh, you asked earlier about the height about 30 40 mile it was I mean went from Newry to Warren Point and back and it was very low pace and I thought yeah I could probably push it on a bit but it was learning about how do the how their group rides together I had no idea about this so it was it was good learning from that point of view then I just kept it going um not really cycling very much I got a turbo trainer over the winter as well then got the bike onto that looked at a few YouTube videos <laughs> and then the as I say, the running was never an issue for me because I'd, I'd running was just something that was already there. And what was your sort of <coughs> aspirations at that point? Was it it was Crooked Lake or something? Else? Yeah, so Crooked so Lake then would have been the very first proper triathlon. But there was the, there's a triathlon before that, and that's what yeah, I was getting to that. Yeah. So I, I bought this second hand bike from Gumtree. It turned out to be one of the guys from the tri club. So that was funny in itself. But what we, was the bike? It was a Focus that's still hanging up in yeah. my garage. <clears throat> which is slightly too small for me and I'm, I'm going to keep it and I'm keeping it for my son to grow into he's not far away from it uh, so the the thing was I just got it serviced and it wasn't um, they had to get a new bottom bracket in it and the bottom and the, but the, the crank arms joined together so they didn't replace them tight enough and on the try a try the crank arm worked, worked, worked its way loose so I wasn't able to pedal even so I had to get off put it in I had an Allen key in my back pocket with one of them multi-tools no, starting to screw this in. And yeah, yeah, so I managed to get around it anyway. <clears throat> and then the first actual triathlon was the Crooked Lake in, that would have been June time, 2014. Mm. And I remember thinking when I was doing it, because the open, oh, yeah, the, the, the club take you through the open water uh, thing. You know, you go into the lake, they introduce yeah. you very gently, they take you in with your wetsuit. You know, it's totally different. It's colder, it's dark. You can't see the lane lines in the bottom and all that, you know, so you have to just... A bit of anxiety to get over yeah. that. I think a lot of people are scared about Definitely. that, but you're, you you know what it's important. I to think the first time I'd done the 750 meter swim, yeah. there, I, st- I think I stopped 25 times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't it, let go. Yeah, it's that's exactly it. You know, you're, you're in a wetsuit. I mean, at the worst case scenario, you roll onto your back, you're, you'll float. <laughs> you know, you're like a cork in the water, aren't you? Yeah. So it's just, yes, letting go of that anxiety. But the, I remember thinking. Uh, on the first triathlon, I was on the bike after swimming, and you think, I've just been lying down. Now I'm starting up to get onto the bike, and I'm so disoriented and dizzy. And then you go on the bike, and you're you're trying, you're working hard at it, and you're thinking to yourself, why why am I doing this? This is weird. Why, what what am I at here? And then at the end, when you finished, you just get this euphoric feeling. Yeah, don't it's you? mad. It just the whole way through it an hour and a half's worth of pain and you're thinking what am I put, why am I doing this to myself and then at the end after a few minutes you're going that was brilliant when, when am I doing the next one Crooked Lake's a fabulous one though to start yeah. off on isn't it the yeah. support that they've got there oh. and even the youngsters that they had this year my son done the the junior one yeah it was just a swim cycle yeah and the run it was as well some of them kids were only like five and six years of amazing. age. And a lot of you know, a lot of them are the kids of the people who are yeah, the yeah. adults who are participating and they're bringing and that's one of the, the things I'm so happy that I've got back into sport again. It's not just for me, it's it's that my kids now see me doing this and this is normal. And you know, this is a um a very strange sort of sport to be at, but they don't think it's strange, they want to do it as well, you know. I, I seen a welcome sort of culture change slightly because people started moving towards like tablets and phones and plane stations mm. and all the parents all of a sudden there's been this huge boom in triathlon and running mm. and it has totally exploded and what I found what I found and what I seen happen was there's this huge influence that has happened is happening now at the minute that wasn't there before well, everybody that's going out and doing these 10Ks or half marathons and marathons yeah. or triathlons. Now, their kids have been influenced by them. Yeah. Yeah. And that influence wasn't really there yeah. when we were younger yeah. as much, unless yeah. you did have a school that was sort of driving well, across country or something like that. I, I disagree with you in that way because of like my, my parents. I, 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 I have them to thank for two, two things, really. One is the genetics. And we can argue over who's given me the genes that's helped me to be <laughs> where I am now. So my, my dad, he played basketball for Ireland yeah, at one stage. Wow. He, he was part of a school who team who won an All-Ireland medal as well. You know, he played football. He, he, he did a lot of sport. And he didn't carry that through when I was growing up, so I didn't really see it. Mm. But my mum would disagree with who, who's given the genetics to me. She would say that she's the best. Uh, runner or athlete but she never had the opportunity really to take it on back in her day she 
she would have had to go to work rather than get a chance to, to play in teams and all that. So you had a good, yeah. strong influence so when I had you were a good, strong influence yeah. when I was younger. And then it was a natural thing. And through the schools, and I had good friends uh, who all competed with me and participated. And we had real rivalry within our school year. And yeah. so we were always trying to outdo each other on the track or whatever running we were doing. And we were working together at that. So for me, uh, growing up, was it was normal. It was, and, But one thing I learned really since I've come back into sport this time around was how many different types of activities there are now. All these adventure races, the Hill and Dale series. I'd never heard of this through my 20s. I kind of felt like I've missed out a wee bit there during that time. Although I don't really regret it because I was building my career, I was building yeah. my family, you know, so that was a different time. I was you are where music. you are because you, of the path yeah, you've I taken. Don't, yeah, I don't so. really, yeah, that's right, the path I took. The music was a bigger deal for me then as well. Mm-hmm. But, so now this phase of my life, all these uh, things are, are more obvious to me and hopefully, yeah, more obvious to, to my kids as well. Don't get me wrong, my kids are, are, are active, but they're, they still enjoy their yeah, yeah. tablet devices as well. I think it's uh, impossible it's to get that balance one. though, isn't it? Like, I think it's the balance, have, yeah. You don't, they still need to fit in with all their friends and everything that's going on as well. Exactly. Like, so you can't yeah. isolate them from that. Yeah. So how did you do in the crooked leg then? The very first one, I, I, I don't know how I did at the time. Um, after, I remember going down to, to Carlingford or um, yeah, Camelot that night and we had a few beers in the, in the yellow heifer. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, Fourth event, we, at that stage, it wasn't, the, you know, the, yeah, we, we, we weren't quite as... as um, good looking up our, our phones for the results coming online so somebody was passing around the pages of results and there was like six or seven pages because I don't know four or five hundred people entered this thing and then somebody said to me oh look there you there you've, you've made the first page and so I was 45th <coughs> or something like that I think there's 50 per page and I and people were saying wow that's that's really good that's your first triathlon you were you, you know you're at the bottom of that first page and I was saying is that good is that all right <laughs> and they're saying eh, that's that's pretty good there's been people trying for a couple of years to get onto the first page you know so I thought right that's that's great now that sort of gave me a bit of motivation to see yeah, give that boost of confidence as boost well boost of confidence and thinking maybe maybe I could maybe be competitive still and I looked up to all those other guys in the tri club who were coming in second and third place and whatnot you know Barry Convery and Sean Fellers and all those boys I was thinking I wonder in a year or two could I possibly get, get anywhere near them fellas you know so it's, it's that rivalry I had it through my teenage years and then you have to have it again now. You have to have people, real people who you know where they're at so you can you know, try and chase them down. I, I was really surprised in the first triathlon I did when I went and looked at the, the times was the age groups. Yeah. Well, how old are Yeah. Because yeah, I was the same as well. Yeah. What age was I? 36, I think I was. Yeah. And but everybody was around that age. 36 or 40 yeah. there wasn't too many people under 30 actually in it yeah you know it was quite surprising um i don't know if it was everybody was having a bit of life crisis at the same time <laughs> or yeah. not yeah well it's an endurance sport it is you know even a sprint distance it's called yeah. sprint badly named i think because it's not a sprint it's it's still like you know the elites are doing it in just about an hour yeah. you know so if you're coming in you know the, probably one of the, the slower groups would be like maybe up near the two hour type mark but it's not a sprint in any means. So it's an, uh, you know, 16 to 18 year olds, not too many of them really doing that type so of So what was the next, the next natural step then after the Crooked Lake? Um, it was really just to ask uh, what, what, what other things are happening now. So the Tri Club would let you know. So that, very, that first year I really relied on the Tri Club for, to tell them, you know, because they had club events as well. So we'd do those club events and then other local races and I kept doing that so the first season passed then with a I think I got a, a couple of age I got onto the podium for an age group in, in, in Mucknow that first maybe that was the first or second year but it was then after that I uh, I met uh, Barry Monaghan who, who's coached me ever since mm-hmm. and so Barry uh, I think it was after Camelot or at some point that year he basically says yeah you're not bad swimmer and your running's pretty good but your bike could be improved. Now, he didn't quite say as politely as that, but he, <laughs> <laughs> I, I then sort of asked him about help with the bike, and, and the bike's 50% of the triathlon. So I worked, I've been working with Barry ever since, so it's formed a, a natural progression from then about, uh, I've got data from four years now, how, how, uh, how it was and how things are improving. So every year then, I basically just entered more and more. I think the second year I entered the National Series races, and I came... 
I think it was fifth in my age group that year, so that would have been 2005. I was only just into the 40 years back at then. What did Barry do to focus on your bike then? Just when you said there he needs you need a bit more focus, what what dynamic changed in your training? Was it just more harder hills, quicker reps? No, it wasn't. It wasn't that it was harder. It was probably that it was more time spent on the bike. Um, I can't really remember the balance of what I was doing. I was just making it up as I was going along myself, doing a wee bit of swimming, a wee bit of biking, a wee bit of running. I think the focus definitely shifted on to maybe the bike sessions I was doing was 30, 40, 45 minutes. And that was probably fair enough anyway, because you still you do need to come into this a bit a bit easier. But Barry, uh, sort of sessions went up to an hour, an hour and a quarter, um, three times a week for the bike. And I, I you know, I had, I had some reservations at the time, thinking this bike's taken over. I'm only able to run now once or twice a week because I'm tired after biking. But you no, know, stuck with it. And my my now last year, my a lot of the races I did, national series race and all, my bike split was one of the fastest in the, in the, on the day. Um, so the biking is 50% of the triathlon and with the likes of Barry there so it's, it's not just the, the quantity of time you spend I think it's the quality of time and, and I'm, I'm pretty time pressured with family and work mm. you have to be able to get the job done in the time because it got. really is about I learned a lot from the book Don Fink's book right. people talk about because I did the Ironman in Switzerland yeah, yeah, and yeah. that is like the go to manual for yeah. people yeah. for a bit of a guidance and it really is a book around time management yeah okay so how much time have you got this week that yeah. you can sacrifice yeah. and how do you turn that into intentional training yeah to actually strengthen those weak points yeah and it's really that isn't it really yeah. and it's been able to like if you can only train for six hours a yeah. week yeah then how do you get the most out yeah. of that six yeah. hours isn't yeah. it yeah exactly i so my, my i would probably train eight we eight hours on average, sometimes an hour or two less, and then up to ten max, uh, just depending on the week. Um, Barry, it's not. It's not huge. No. In relation to the results that you're getting. So to be I, fair, I think if I was to, to say to Barry, right, I think I'm going to go it alone here and, and just work this out myself. Mm. Now I've got a few years of information and know what to do. I, I I would probably drift off and start doing silly things and, and the time wouldn't be focused properly. Barry's able to take the step back and, and look from the, the cloud view and see what sort of how to periodize the, the training with this time of the year we need to do this and then we need to build these things through the course of the year whereas I would probably think a lot more short term than that and doing silly things. So, so what way does he break that down then? So through the winter are you focusing on base? And so it's not really like, you know there's a lot of hard work goes on in the winter like in terms of the intensity like I did a session yesterday which I'm still recovering from the day of, of four by eight minutes of threshold pace which mm. is a tough bike session um, so I'm not doing like for, for an Ironman would do maybe several hours at low intensity, mm. I don't have time for that so a lot of sweet spot type work like thresh and um, tempo type Effort on your main bike. focus is sprint and Olympic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah. done anything longer than Olympic distance. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking about going up to the half Ironman distance, and then I was talking to Barry about it, and he said, "Well, we'll need to up your training to maybe twelve to fourteen hours." And I'm thinking, oh, "Now nah, we'll leave that another year then." <laughs> so I. So what is yeah. a what does an average week look like? So in terms of training, then yeah. yeah at the minute, then uh, it would be two strength sessions. I think that's important to to say as well. This 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 mm. this phase of the year, I I two years ago, but I've always with working with Barry, I've always uh, done a bit of strength work. Uh, up that over the last couple of years because I was getting a lot of running injuries. Um, so two strength sessions. Well, what would you do three, in a, a strength session? So a strength session would be oh, a lot of first of all warming up, mobility, mm. stretching to begin with. Um, then there'd be a lot of deadlifts, uh, squats, weighted squats with Olympic bar, uh, lunges, single leg work, mm. um, yeah, balance type work. Um, All runners can benefit from doing that, that without so. a day, can't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, I trained a, a group of girls, yeah. and one of them was going to a PT that was doing yeah, that, yeah. and she was going improving at a quicker rate than everybody else. Yeah. Than yeah. I had not expected from yeah. the plan that she was getting. Yeah. Um, but I could tell it was from all the lunges and yeah. that. Well, that'd be so really giving her strength in her legs. Timmy Graham here at Strength Farm has just lived up the road from me here now this last couple of years. And it's a lot of that individualized work about, you know, just identifying your weak mm. spots and trying to, to bring that on. But it's a lot of single leg type 
work as well, and it just highlights how, how unbalanced we can be. And I think but it's the single leg is important. Yeah, because we run on each leg. Yeah, we don't fit at a time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and my my physio, funny enough, pointed that out a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. he was showing me. He says, "I want you to do one leg at a time." Yeah, because that's where you're running. Yeah, you know, exactly. So yeah, simple things, but it's only so simple important. Some reason. I think it's particularly when you get to our sort of age. You know, where your your testosterone levels start to drop off a bit. You need to be putting that weight. You need to be putting the load on the weight to try and build, keep the muscle bulk there. And what about the core strength? focus on that at all oh yeah that's all part so usually the, by, the, by the end of the sessions usually the four the, the core work and that would be things like hanging leg raises abdominal rollouts um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just coming back from injury myself right. and I went for a five mile run over the mountains there just over Christmas I've been doing quite a bit of running like, but, and my core has gone totally I was right. out for quite a while like, right. and um, I was actually you know, I could feel my stomach and yeah. how sluggish the run yeah. was. And I was actually tightening my stomach yeah. to allow me to run. Yeah. How much better it felt yeah. if I could yeah. hold, hold that tight and actually run across. But it's about that awareness, isn't it? So once, mm. once you know that, that's one thing. And then you got to work it and you build it and build it bit by bit to that becomes automatic. Yeah. And that switches itself on and you're not even thinking about that. The, the, the other one I learned really is your, is your, your glutes. Uh, yeah. Activating those and making sure they're switched on and working when you're running because I was getting iliotibial band problems and that was because my glutes weren't activating, my knee was coming in. Yeah. I didn't know why all this was. And, you know, I think you're a doctor, you should know this stuff. Like, yeah. no, we're not, like, you know, you're not taught this sort of stuff. You're not mm. taught, you know, you know, this is very specific um, sporting yeah. type work, you know. So, so that's the strength. And then what else? Would you see during the week? So probably th- uh, two to three bike sessions and two to three swims and two runs. Wow, that's unreal. So what, what's the run breakdown like? Because your times in your 5K was 16 minutes 45. Yeah, that was a couple of, that was a very flat run. That was in, in yeah, Portugal. Still 16.45. <laughs> it wasn't downhill. <laughs> no, well, that, that was, yeah, that was with an Ireland jersey on for the first time and a lot of adrenaline. And yeah, I haven't, I haven't quite got to that level again yet. I'm about, uh, sort of last year, my 5Ks were about 17, sort of on the mark. Uh, did a, I did a Lisburn 10K in 35 in a couple of seconds last year. Um, but running... As I say, it's natural in terms of having done so much running as a teenager. Mm. So those uh, neural pathways are there, I suppose. I'm still able to run. Especially your form as well. Like I know when I've, I take a lot of photographs and races yeah. as well. And the first 10 or 15, 20% of runners, you can yeah. see them all up in their midfoot. Yeah. You know, not real heeled strikers. Yeah. And have, yeah. They have great natural form, yeah. which helps them. Like cause they're springing rather than breaking yeah. and springing. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Running is you know, you got to use your natural spring and your tendons to propel you forward as well. Your your Achilles and all that. It, it, it's it's spring. Yeah, you know. So it's great times for that. Yeah. So how did it go from two thousand and fourteen try a try? to 2016 with Lisbon, the ETU Triathlon European Championships. Like, that yeah. is just, whoa, I did that happen? Two, like? two years. Well, that's gone from sort of, uh, yeah, the year after that, as I say, I think was the, the, in 2015, then would have been the national series. I got fifth, and I, because I was fifth, I think this top 10 or 15 in your okay. age group are getting, are able to be uh, applying for international races. So I thought, well, look, this could be a once in a lifetime opportunity here, let's do it. So we played for the, the Lisbon in Portugal and did the sprint on the Friday and the Olympic distance on the Sunday. I thought, yeah. sure, I'm going over here, I may as well do the both. Um, and how did I get second place in that? I have no idea. At the time, I was overwhelmed with it, really. I was really shocked. I got, I got fourth position on the, on the Sunday in the yeah. Olympic distance as well. But how did it happen? I suppose if you think about it... it, it Were you it, expecting, it, like... No, I wasn't expecting anything, anything like that. At all. No, no, not at all. I was hoping for... I don't know, I was even hoping for a top 10 in the age group. But it was... I don't know, it just, just happened that way. And, and it's kind of... It's, even, even then, I kind of wasn't when, back to when I was younger I mentioned earlier that I, my confidence wasn't brilliant as a, as a mm. footballer and I got I probably had the ability but I just didn't have that sort of self-belief I don't know why and um, I never won any races when I was a teenager running wise I was always a good like team guy yeah. I was always you know second or third in or fourth in on the, on the team at the cross country and I was always like sort of a yeah good slogger mm. and to w- actually 
get to the point where you're getting on the podiums then that's totally new for me then so this one was a, was a big deal I don't even think I'd won a local race at that stage oh, but it was until, so that actually was the thing that gave me self-belief and confidence to think I can come home now and I can I can probably compete with uh, the I wrote down your sprint run time so uh, 16 minutes 45 yeah like that is after was it a 750 meter 750 swim 750 meter swim 20, bike. 20k bike yeah. 20k bike like and then to run 16.45. Like. So I would say about that, uh, my run time is now about maybe 20 seconds slower, but my bike's probably about two or three minutes quicker. Yeah. So you, you got with triathlon, you've got to weigh up where you're going to put the effort into. Mm-hmm. So the, you, you, you don't focus on your strengths, you focus on your, on your weaknesses. So I, I, I would love to maybe spend a year, I was thinking about this, spend a year just doing running, see what happens. But then I wouldn't want to lose bike and swimming skills for the yeah. year later back to triathlon. So no, I have to say now I focus totally on my running there for when right. I park the triathlon, park the bike. I haven't been on the bike last year at all. Like, and my best run times came when I was doing the triathlon. Really, and which was strange. But also yeah. then when I hit the injury, I got caught out. Because yeah. I'd let the bike go. Yes. Okay. Where usually I could go in between. I just listened to my body and whatever. Yes. You know, if I was too fatigued or anything, then I was just dropping a bit more on the bike. Like. Well, I've been injured several times over the past mm. few years, and some of them are through my own fault, silly things like falling. But the, the, the by far and away, the running is the hardest thing on the body, impact wise. So, but one of the best things about doing triathlon is if I hurt my ankle I can go that's swimming it. I can get on the bike still I can still keep the fitness going and I think that's why I do get hurt when I run it's because I'm cardiovascularly fit yeah. but the legs haven't got the mileage in them so I'm, I'm running probably 30k a week over the past looking at that over the past year that's about the maximum sort of in, in mileage I'm putting in I, the plan this year over the winter now was to actually increase that to try and get a bit of uh, robustness in the in the legs being able to take that but unfortunately uh, I sprained my ankle in October jumping over a tree stupidly you know so I wasn't able to do that so, but I'm back around this past six weeks or so and I'm, I'm going okay so so what what do you put into that 30k a week two runs what type um, of so usually um, at the minute they're about an hour and ten hour and a quarter um, so that's that's as much that's as long as I've ever done. So usually that sort of run would be uh, mostly mostly steady, like a bit of a warm up, a bit of a cool down, and things then would be like a, on every four minutes. So we do one minute of ten k type mm. effort. Intervals um, Yeah, intervals. But 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 no no stopping. Yeah. You know, it's not like doing a, a hard minute and then taking a breather. It's it's yeah pace back down yeah, to yeah, endurance yeah. and then so it's, it's getting it's, it's just changing the pace up and then we've done a couple of hill rep sessions there in the last month or so with um, like two minute hills but that, that part of the reason for doing the two minute hill efforts was because my ankle has been sore it's probably getting a bit of um, hard intensity in without the impact yeah. of, of running hard on the flat you know because it, it does leave a sort of weakness behind it doesn't it you have to sort of build back up again that's, that's the, leaving that single leg work again now and the strength mm. we're getting the balance work going and, and, and you know being 44 now this is not healing as quick as when I sprained my ankle when I was playing football oh, <laughs> back in the day I feel you know? your pain yeah so tell me about 2016 Lisbon then when yeah. you went there like it's quite a big triathlon do a big show don't they oh it was incredible because be coming from here and you set up your bike and everything just before the race and you have a chat with a few people and then it's like go over there you have to like meet with the Ireland team you sort of say what's happening now where do we be you, you know you have it's, it's so regimented yeah you go for a recce of the course on a particular time depending on your age group depending on what day you're racing um, you can get the swimming course in as well. You can get the run course in. You have to follow. It's a very busy time. I took the family with me that first time, and it wasn't the best holiday for them because I was spending all this time yeah. working out what the course was. You have to ride, rack your bike the day before, and then get down really early the next morning. So it's a big, big show. And, and the temperature was it warm? Uh, not particularly that 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 year. Um, it was just about our sort of 
climate at that stage, you know, it was about, you know, high teens. Yeah. And it was I, me- I remember bad. in Switzerland yeah. when we had a rack, the bikes yeah. the day before, yeah. and it was 36 degrees during the yeah. day. Yeah. But when we were in the transition, you could hear people's tires Yeah, yeah, let, 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 let a bit of air into the tires. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The and they, cause they usually have the pumps there the next morning, you need to get them pumped up again the next yeah. just right before the race. Yeah. So the race itself then, like, was it, does it have many people um, spectating at the race? Uh, so round where the, the 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 swim entrances and on the transition zones, yeah, there's loads of people cheering on, and um, but out in the bike it still can be a bit lonely. You know, you're, if you're out on a ten k out and ten k back, sort of a course it was, and there wasn't that many out then. But the roads were closed, and then on the run course it was bunged. It was really, and in fact it was it was packed around the edge where people were watching us. But because we were doing this loop within like the, an arena and outside it the actual run course itself was really busy so I was trying to pass people all the time and it was just it, because there were people setting up you know you could you get started on a five minute interval you know the age yeah. group before you have gone whistle next age group whistle next age group so you're constantly trying to pass through right, people okay. who are slower from the yeah. age groups ahead of you you know so it was a great experience all together what way do you feel then the likes of a sprint uh, yeah this is a, an interesting question because a lot of people ask me at the end did you enjoy that race you know did, that was a good race do you enjoy that it's like uh, no I didn't enjoy it I, <laughs> I was working flat out the whole way I was on the limit from start to finish so that's the way I race a sprint yeah. so someone's asking me this last week so if I'm on the bike and I'm starting to feel yeah this is going well here I'm feeling okay well no that means get back on it again yeah get the hammer down and keep going. So a sprint, really, you can keep that sort of intensity from for the vast majority of it. Uh, a, a standard distance, you have to be a wee bit more careful, I think, you know, um, just with the pacing because it's that bit longer, you know, with a 10K at the end. Yeah. Uh, but your 10K time's phenomenal as well. Like, and that, you know, you run 34, 35. What time, are you uh, taking fuel on on the bike or what way do you do For it? an Olympic distance, I would take one gel. That's all. I've tried to take more than that, and it just makes my stomach go funny. So plenty of fluids and one gel would be all I've ever had on a sprint distance. Nothing at all. And how do you attack the ten k race at the end of the Olympics? That's that's a that's yeah. So this is an interesting thing because last year I did ten, two ten k runs just just to see how my ten k would be, and I and I attacked those the way I would attack an Olympic distance ten k, i.e. go as hard as you can and hold it. But on the ten k flat runs or the you know just runs on their own, I blew up on the first one. I did the first five k and some ridiculous, and then it really died off the second, and then the split was really much slower in the second five k. So for the actual triathlon, I kind of know my pacing, and I know what it should feel like. So you come off the bike, you you run. It takes a minute or two for the legs just to get into the running um, yeah. pattern again from, from being spinning around on the bike so I, I kind of know what it feels like and then you just try and hold it and you, and you put, so if I look at my splits on, on a 10k on the uh, triathlon if I'm hitting 330s and my watch mm-hmm. give me a ping at that and I'm kind of thinking that, that's good I'm going happy enough here and I just try and hold that and maybe boost it up in the last k or so but for the for the for the for the second 10k I did last year um I, I went much easier for the first 5k and um, I probably could have gone harder but that's what you need to do for a you know a, a, a road race um, yeah without having so are you going quicker do you, on the road or are you about on par or no that's the thing I haven't yeah. been able to do uh, well that Lisburn 10k was just to say 35 minutes or so just in a couple of seconds um, I was very happy with that and that's probably the fastest I'd run last year my run, as I say my run's not as good this year as, or last year as it was yeah. a couple of years prior to that but I think it's but a lot of it as well I think you know I think through the swim you you really oxygen the put a lot yeah. of oxygen in your body don't yeah, you like yeah yeah and on the bike like you're well warmed up by the time yeah. you get off the bike it depends See, the, the run is very very dependent on how many matches you've burnt on the bike yeah if you've overcooked the bike <laughs> just that wee bit then it leaves you really struggling on the run that's what happened to me in the European Champs last year I got a bronze last year in Glasgow and I the run the, the bike course didn't suit me it was basically up for half of it and down for half of it and I'm, I'm better with a steady pace the whole way you know so the first half of that bike course basically my legs were really hammered and so 
getting the run, getting it just took me the first half of it. It was only a five k run, so you don't have much time to get it back again. Yeah, it took it's me a real the, balance. That, isn't the it? first two k of that run were just horrible, and then I started to get it. And the, the last mile I did it in, in five minutes fifteen or something like that. So it was, I was getting back. The end. You were lucky to get it back. Then. Lucky to get it back. Yeah. <laughs> I remember was... doing top of the mornings. I really got. I learned that lesson by yeah. leaving something left off yeah. the bike. Yeah. Um, being from Kilkeel, I was able to train on the mountains all the time. Aye. Top of the mornings really tough. And I remember I going so hard and going yeah. up that mountain. I was overtaking so many people. Yeah. I thought like, yeah. you know, that training's done me really, really yeah. well. Like, yeah. I'm coming back down, overtaking yeah. loads of people on the bike. Yeah. yeah. After one loop, that was it. I was blown up. Yeah. I mean, I had nothing, nothing at all. Like just walked. Yeah. That's my hats are off to the guys who do the half Ironman, the full Ironman distance. I mean, I just, it just doesn't. It's not in my, my, my mind to, to do that sort of distance. I, I just don't have. It may not be in your nature as well because it's not my you, nature. You want to go full hog. Where yeah. actually you have to pull back a little bit. Yeah. So. Exactly. And that's what I'm thinking now. I'm forty five this year coming and. I kind of want to know how fast can I, can I do this? Because back in the day and as a teenager, yeah, you've got your whole life ahead of you. You don't really think about, you know, running out of time. <laughs> but now I'm thinking, yeah, how, how many more years have I got to improve before age starts to be a thing? Now, I don't think it's a problem for the next maybe five years or so, but after that and you hit 50 beyond, it start might start to mm. impact things. But you still have your age groups then. That's the neat thing. Exactly. And I'm up in age group this year now. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to the the two international races I've got planned for this year. So what what was that? So I'm heading to uh, Holland, a, um, a town called De Vert, uh, for the European Championships in June. And then the World Championships are in Switzerland. Wow. In uh, August, end of August. So I did yeah. jump ahead a little bit there. So 2017, you went back to European Championships. Yeah. And you came fourth in the Olympic. Um, it was in Austria. It was a bit warmer. Oh, it was warm. It was tough. The run really yeah. hit me there. The, I, I did feel really, really sluggish on the run. I can see that. 39 minutes, 6 seconds. Yeah. And, 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 and the other guys were up at 33 minutes for their 10K. You know the winners of okay. that. Okay. So I, I just lost it in the run, I think, that time. So that year you went to the World Championships as well. How did that come about then, getting into the World Championships? Well, it was the same um, criteria for getting into the Europeans and the Worlds. You know, you just through Triathlon Ireland. If, you, if you're yeah. eligible to race internationally, you can do both. So I just thought with the Worlds being um, in Europe, it was worth giving them a crack. So a few of us from the club went over. It was Rotterdam, wasn't it? In Rotterdam, yeah. And it was but like big. it was a it was a big scene. Yeah. So I, I was just saying down the elites there, you had the likes of Vincent Lewis, Mola, Gomez, yeah. yeah, and Johnny Brownlee was yeah. there as well. Yeah. Like so, it must have been fantastic to be part you know, of that. That was brilliant to see those guys racing. It really was. Um, and as they were running past you, you know, when you see them on TV, they look like <laughs> wee guys, wee small, you know, guys. But when they, when they're running past you, they are stallions. You know, they're yeah. really strong and and. Big machines, guys, you know, like machines, yeah, awesome. Alice yeah. wasn't there that year, but I know um, during the Olympics he ran like twenty minutes something in the. Well, he he could have been a ten k uh, <laughs> Olympic runner outright. You know, he 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 could have uh, qualified I think it was, for that. Don't quote me with twenty eight minutes forty seconds or something like for his ten k. That's right. Like that's a totally They're different amazing. sort of yeah puzzle. How and how did you do there? Which one in Rotterdam? Yeah, yeah, fourth. So I've done five international races. I've got a silver, a bronze, and three, three fourth places. Like that's phenomenal. Like when you think two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, you know, know. it was your introduction into triathlon. Like yeah. to try a try in Camel Lake. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But you know, I got a silver in two thousand sixteen. But the, I was more proud of the bronze last year because of the competition I was up against like the guy who won our age category was the fastest of the whole day wow he won the whole thing outright you know so I mean some stiff competition there so it was brilliant to be able to be racing against so what's your what's your what's your what's your goals for this year I know you just mentioned them. Yeah, right? well, I meant those two Euro, those two international races being in a new age category um, I'm really hoping to to get medals again this year um the national series for triathlon ireland uh, is a wee bit different i got last year i got second place overall um and won the age group and how does that work how how do they grade so those they, they, they have something like 
12 to 15 races a year which are awarded national series um, sort of uh, points and you, you score points based on how far away from the median place okay. contender is and the more points you earn then you get put onto a, a, an overall league table and, and, and you yeah, you score in your age group and overall. So unfortunately, the guy that won it overall, I'd never met him in the whole competition last year, which is a bit unfortunate, you know. Mm. So it would have been nice to have a, a head to head with him. But the um, so th- they had a super series of races, which meant that the young fellas could all do their race against each other with a draft legal bike. This year, that's gone. So we'll all be in in the one race together, which I'm really excited about so it'll yeah, be great yeah. to, to race a lot of these young fellas now as well so you can tell now you swayed right full circle now and now you have that real competitive streak and that confidence based yeah. on well, winning, winning begets winning <laughs> yeah. you know I, I now you see as I said when I was earlier in my teenage years I never won anything in, in a ra- I never won a race and I've won a few races over the last couple of years and that's that's a nice feeling and I want to I want to continue has your diet changed through to try and maintain the training load and that balance? Yeah, well, that's that's been a big change that I made last year actually. So in two thousand and eighteen, uh, I went to see a, a nutritionist guy down in Dublin, mm-hmm. and that it was, yeah, it was mostly about the timing of when I would eat. So it wasn't that I changed what I eat overall, but basically, like, give 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 yourself a good carb meal. A couple of hours before you train so if you're not training to the night time don't be eating mm. porridge for breakfast because that your insulin converts that to sugar to fat yeah. so you don't need that in the morning have bacon and eggs have your carbs at lunchtime if you're going to train in the evening mm. so that sort of thing is about the timing of when i'm going to eat so that's been a big change and i ended up following that his advice i, I ended up getting to my lowest weight and um, I got the 76 kilos which for me is um, about 80 at the minute so you know I'm sort of in my winter uh, weight at the minute so nutrition has much improved over the last year because I love ice cream and love sweets and I used to think oh I'm running it off it doesn't matter I'm allowed to, uh, but actually that's not how it works you're, you know you're, 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 you're it's, more, it's more than that as well though isn't it it's your energy and making sure that you're feeling strong when you go to do your workouts yeah. and things like that so you're feeling strong when you go to do your workouts and then have the proper nutrients yeah. in you whenever you're recovering from your workouts I think as the older we get the, the more uh, recovery plays a part mm-hmm. as well it's not all about your weight you know weight no. is very important obviously yeah. like if you're trying to run yeah. as hard as you can right yeah. on the yeah. in the red particularly for running swimming yeah. doesn't matter at all yeah. you know some of the some of the best swimmers some are of the coming best, out you see you see them standing beside you before the race and if it's a swimming race and you and, and, and they don't look like athletes at all and they are awesome in the yeah, water that's yeah. right yeah and from a nutrition point of view then do, do you you talk about bacon and eggs there like yeah. you have a lot of fruit here do you do a yeah. lot of uh, nutrition is it are you focused on like plant-based type of food or just ordinary sort of potatoes yeah. and yeah I'm trying. He 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 recommends um, for your carbs uh, things like um, brown basmati rice, mm. quinoa, couscous, baby boils rather or, or sweet potatoes. Mm. So that's where he would say keep your carbs limited on oats. Keep your carbs to those food groups. Um, yeah, eat um, meat meat that's not you know factory type produced yeah. or uh, processed type meat and um, try and get fish in a couple of times a week it's kind of fairly mm. simple sort of advice that I'd be giving out myself you know but it's the timing of it I think is the big thing that I've learned this year and how important do you think or how influential have the has joining the tri club being near tri club well at the, particularly at the very early days of it near mm. tri club was just they, they, they really were the group that gives you a lot of encouragement. They bring you in, they show you what to do. You remember big people like um, Liam Hutchinson, he, he basically put an invite out, who wants to come and learn how to ride a bike? And I went out, and there was two of us, I think, went out that day. It was a wet, dark day like today. And he took us out for a couple of hours on his own. There was a lot of individuals giving up their own time. Mm-hmm. 
um, and, and continued on to that day. The, the committee works really hard. They continue to put on great events all year long for club members, particularly beginners wanting to get started and find out, you know, can I swim? Can I get on the bike? Can I get between the swim and the bike? Can I get off the bike safely and then onto the run? And there's a lot of, lot of encouragement and support for that sort of thing. A lot of training with that. So it's a brilliant club for that. The swimming, I think it's the swimming Finley as well. They do the couch to cricket league, don't they? Yeah, well, Infinity are part, but that's that's the tri club, I think. Oh, in conjunction with, there's, there's, a, there's a big collaboration between yeah. all the organisations, the tri club, Infinity, and Camelot Lake um, committee. They're, they're a lot of the same people on, on each, and they work together. Mm. What bike you riding now? So, on my 40th birthday, for myself, <laughs> I got myself a specialised shiv, which is a TT bike. And I still use that. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, see, as but I remember when I got mine, um, I had a car 10 to start with. And when I changed the tyres from 100 psi to 120 psi, I got a huge difference. When I went to my zips, then I didn't get the benefit. <laughs> well, that's that interesting. I I basically, if this last year I shifted from 120 psi down to about 100 and sub 100. Wow. And I'm actually, I've got, and then at the end of the season, I put on tubeless tyres, and that went down even to 80, 80 to 85. Now, on our terrible roads out here, that lower pressure is really more comfortable, and it's faster too. There's some evidence yeah. now that riding that higher pressure is actually slower, because you bounce across the stones, rather than, you know, getting the contact with the ground and Brilliant. propelling you forward. And um, what would advice would you give to somebody that was looking to get into the world to try? Because uh, it's quite exp- it can be quite expensive to set up. You yeah. think about a wetsuit or your running gear. Yeah. Or, but so yeah, well, the expense uh, running and swimming not huge expense really. Uh, the big expense comes in your in your cycling, and you can start off with a second hand like I did. You start off with a second hand road bike, set it, put a set of tri bars on it for twenty quid, and you can go from there. Everyone has a pair of running shoes. You need to get a, a cycling uh, shoes and a helmet. So y- you can start off like that. And then as the years go on, like I've done, I've gradually improved my equipment each year with what I can sort of um, justify spending the money on. For example, I didn't have a disc wheel in the back until last year. I used plastic covers that I got online for 80 quid or something. You know, So you, there are hacks that you can do. Um, yeah, for somebody else who wants to get intro from another sport like football, cycling, running, wants to take up, try. First thing is you must get in touch with a club or a group of people who already do it and they can give you advice as to. Because there's so many questions. That's the, one of the things I love about triathlon is all the technical aspects of it. There's so many wee things to learn. I'm still learning little things each time. How do you get out of transition one and onto the bike and how do you get safely off the bike onto the run and you, you learn constantly so you gotta you gotta go with a group of people who are already doing it so the, the likes of a Newry Tri Club if you're from this area would be a brilliant start for that it's a great learning curve like isn't it I remember doing yeah. Tri Tri for the first time in Jacqueline Galway yeah um, was next to me and I'm like why are you putting talcum powder into your shoes and yeah. she's like do you want some of this body oil <laughs> You know, yeah. to get the wetsuit off yeah, quicker. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea at all. Yeah, then they yeah. were giving me elastic bands for my shoes. Yeah. I'm like, what's this for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Remember, my very first race was uh, it was before the triathlon, actually. It was the duathlon, the sportsman bar duathlons. Yeah. And I ran okay, I cycled okay, and I ran okay at the end. And somebody looked at my times and said, why were you five minutes behind me? And they looked and said, you were in transition for two and a half minutes. Or what were you doing, making tea? You know, so the elastic on your laces, all that sort of thing. You know, so you learn a lot each time you race. It's great, Finbar. Thanks very much. Thank Appreciate you. It. All the best into this year. Yes, and don't forget, put on your sunblock. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Great podcast. Didn't realise that Finbar was relatively new to the sport. Crazy splits. I still can't get my head around a sub 17 5k and a sub 35 minute 10k after the run on the bike after four years of training. Really interested to hear about his strength training. It's something I personally have ignored over time and has no doubt added to Finbar's success. We didn't talk about his local podiums, but he first came onto my radar when he won the Dublin Triathlon um, back in September. One of many amazing triumphs with a field of over 600 triathletes. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. I know I did. Until next week, stay safe and 
keep on moving.